It's Seacoast Real Talk with John Rice. Exploring Southern Maine and New Hampshire Seacoast real estate and real life. He's the recognized expert of the Seacoast market with the kind of insight that only comes with 47 years of experience. From Tate & Foss, Sotheby's International Realty in Rye, New Hampshire, it's John Rice. Good to be here. Welcoming once again, my sidekick, Sean Fellows from Tate & Foss. Glad to be back here for uh, another episode. Can't believe you're back here again. It is August 10th. This will be published tomorrow, August 11th. There's a lot going on in the Seacoast area. We have a little celebration first and foremost. Somebody we know here is <laughs> celebrating 50 years in real estate and uh. 30 years <laughs> with Tate & Foss. And I'm the living proof that I'm still here, surviving all that. That's incredible, John. I think it's, good for thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is so good. It's uh, there. You know, there's a lot you know, and that's why you have this wonderful show that you help people understand thank how you. much goes into real estate and the whole process. So, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I also like to thank our growing cadre of listeners out there. Yeah. It seems to. When I'm out there, I'm at Rotary or someplace, I'm running into people that say, hey, I was binge listening to Seacoast Real Talk. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, so I thought, whoa, I, that's great. People from all over the country, in fact, all over the world are listening to nice. Seacoast very Real nice. Talk. Yes, very nice. And we're very nice. Cool. And we're sensitive to that. And we want to focus in, obviously, on real estate in the Seacoast. That's what this is all about. But we also want to focus in on lifestyle here. We want to tell you what it's like to live here and... Um, Focus in on some things that are a little lighthearted, perhaps, mm-hmm. but uh, kind of critical to uh, life on the seacoast. Well, talking about lighthearted, we need to do your market update. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> there goes the lightheartedness right away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, we'll talk about beaches or the perfect fried clams, right? That's correct. That's We have okay. those features. And we also have a look at waterfront property since... Uh, a client came in and asked me what he would have to do to buy some. I thought, hmm, there's a story for a Seacoast Real Talk. So without further ado, mm-hmm. let's get into your market update. Well, all good things must come to an end, and so did <laughs> so did the uh, robust real estate market on the Seacoast. It's not that it's come to an end, but we did have a record low July for a number of sales in the month of July, a record low which was uh, 72 sales, and that's off 25% from last year and off almost 30% from last month. The median sale price was 648.5, which is the third lowest for the year, and that's down 7.9% from last year's 704.599, which was actually a record at the time. Then two other records set in the meantime, for monthly median sale price. So when you add it all up for the year here on the Seacoast, the median sale price rose 5.6% to 655, so 655,000 over the first seven months here on the Seacoast. And sales remained off 15.2% for the first seven months of 2022. And on the condominium side, inventory was recovering slowly and actually going back to single family. It's very important to note that inventory was coming back in July. We did not have, we're very close to a record low amount of inventory for July, but it was still an improvement over last year. 
where we are seeing property sitting a little longer. We are seeing inventory come back. We are seeing the effects of interest rates more than doubling, although they have receded a little bit. So, you know, you're, you're seeing that up close and personal out there. Um, for example, last year, I had a property in Greenland, and uh, it was listed, I think, in the seven somewhere. And we did an open house, marketed that open house pretty thoroughly. And when we opened the doors, I had, in a course of about two hours or three hours, I think I had 150 people come through <laughs> that, for, that, for that open house. Mob scene. I just did an open house out in Nottingham on a popularly priced house, brand new house. And had um, 12 or 13 people come through. I see. In the process of a three-hour open house. And uh, we did get a couple of offers generated from that, and we did sell the house. But as opposed to some of these other situations where people have gotten 14, 15 offers and had mob scene, that doesn't seem to be happening anymore here on the seacoast. It seems more normal. It seems normal, but not quite normal, but getting there. Okay. Yeah. Sean, anything that you can add to the market report? What we saw last year was just incredible with the amount of people coming to, to open houses, and you'd really have to gear up to manage those situations. And now it's, it is totally different. Um, we're not seeing the same amount of, of folks come through. And just watching the market every day, you know, we're seeing a lot more price reductions on homes than we've seen right. recently, right. Um, you know, across just about every price point too. It's not price point specific at everything. We're just seeing price reductions and eventually they'll still go, but um, you know, that's causing homes to stay on market for a little bit longer than what we've been used to. Were they too high to begin with? Maybe crazy. Uh, some time. sellers are trying to not pretend, but think it's still the market that it was when interest rates were sub 3%, sub 4%. And it's just not the same. Uh, there were 22 $1 million sales last year on the seacoast and uh, in July and this July, I believe we had 13, which broke a record of six. There were six months in a row where we had the most million dollar sales for that month ever. And that, and that got broken last month with 13, where we had uh, 22 last month. And the big sales this month, there were three $2 million plus sales. So nothing in the six or four range here. So for those of you listening across the country and the world, some of those markets were becoming quite affordable, I'm no doubt, (laughs) even though we don't believe it here, but uh, (laughs) comparatively, comparatively. Yeah. yeah, Right. But I don't want to sound gloom and doom. The pendings were right up there for in the month of July. So I think you could see the market come back in August and look fairly solid. But it's, it's really something to be concerned about, particularly with everything going on in the world today, interest rates fluctuating, gas prices coming down, but still high, the stock market being what it is, even though the stock market doesn't always relate to the real estate market. Uh, so it suffice it to say, it's, it's a jittery economic background that our real estate market is operating on, and we'll see how it goes. It's nothing you haven't seen in your 50 years oh, God. of service. Yes, and You've yes. seen it all. Oh, yes. And, it's, and it's, some of those are, uh, you know, pretty horrific. And we're not even close to that. So it isn't even, this is a nice market. I, I can't wait to get back to, uh, to normalcy, actually. When, uh, it's, it is when very nice when you have a buyer and you can actually, you know, get inspections done on a home. And 
take your time and not have to submit an offer within two right. hours of seeing the property. I mean, it's, it's nice having that time for them to think it over now. Uh, or, on the buyer side. Or as a real estate broker, you can bring a book to an open house and catch up on your reading. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> That's so great. Strike that oh, from the record. Man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your phone. Yeah, right. <laughs> Play the crossword. What? Okay. <laughs> so you think you want waterfront property on the seacoast. <laughs> Is that impossible? Just the word waterfront property, I feel like anywhere in the country, unless it's abutting a Superfund site, is just out of touch for most people. Talk to me about seacoast waterfront property and who can get it and who can't get it. Well, I'm reminded of the uh, uh, good old days about 40 years ago when uh, we used to laugh as real estate brokers as we get some call from New York saying, I want three acres on the ocean with a barn. I want to do a gentleman's farm, blah, blah, blah. Well, gone are the days of Rudolph Nureyev's visit. For those of you who are listening to episode three, <laughs> oceanfront acreage is very, very tough to find. Uh, if, if there is any at all, there must be some, but it doesn't pop into my mind right away. And it's certainly not on the market at the moment, not on the ocean. Mm-hmm. But let's take a stab at the waterfront, what it would be like to go looking for waterfront today. When I was researching the story, I updated it and I counted 41 active waterfront listings in Rockingham and Stratford counties as of about three days ago. But that's the computer when you ask for waterfront. That means condos on the Exeter River, a house on a pond, a house on a lake. And once again, our good friends over in Wyndham that we roasted three months ago, they have quite a few uh, listings for sale on lakes and ponds that are very attractive. And believe it or not, keeping up with the seacoast, they're in the low million dollar range. But those properties, so quite a few, I would say seven or eight, without being getting too specific. If you want to go ocean, well, let me let me just move right along through this and see what we have, uh, what I've gotten. Once again, it really depends on what kind of waterfront that you're looking for. But your first crack at, at launching a boat, let's just say you want to launch a boat and head out to open ocean. There is there is actually a listing in the seacoast for $1.25 million. So that's relatively chump change. For, the, uh, for that kind of property. There's only one, and I haven't researched what's around it, but you've got to, for those of you coming to the coast, you have to understand that uh, when you're inland, it's, you have to schlep several miles to get to the Atlantic. And uh, we have an eight-foot tide uh, on the Piscataqua River, which is a pretty hefty tide, and we have four-knot currents over the last uh, six miles in Portsmouth Harbor, which makes us uh, one of the fastest rivers in North America. So where your dock is and where you launch your boat is kind of strategic. Otherwise, you might launch your boat and find it flying out Newcastle Harbor <laughs> before you have a chance to get before you have a chance to get into it. So really, you got to be over. Uh, and Sean, what I think you'd agree, you got to be over two million dollars before there's something right now that provides safe, sheltered access to the Atlantic. In so doing, you can't have it all. It's it's uh, you're on a saltwater creek, so you don't have that ocean view with the dock. And at this price point, you're going to find some properties on the at two million dollars. You're also going to find some properties on the beach or on water, but they don't have any water utility other than being on the beach. Right now, we have a property uh, in the city, which is listed for over three million. That uh, would give you access to the Piscataqua River, and that's the only 
one that's around. And if you want to actually get the whole nine yards, you'd have to go up to about $10 million and buy an estate up in way up the uh, Cochico, up in Stratford, uh, up in the Dover area. There's a, there's a big estate up there for $10 million that has a dock and so forth. And so there's a big disparity between, mm. you know, where you can access the river. So, and I think where you're going to have more success, uh, rather than in New Hampshire, is to go to Maine. It's like Pepper Cove, Kittery Point. And right now, over there, you've got a condo that has access to a dock for 2.5. Wow. And actually, you've got one for just under a million that has river access. And then Tate and Foss actually listed a property on Garish Island, bold open ocean, for 4.3 million. Okay. That's that's pretty cool with some historic value on it. Sean, tell me about your people ask about waterfront property. You know, people love the the ocean views and the water views, obviously, but it is tough to come by. You can see such a disparity in quality of home at some of these price points. You know, some homes that haven't been updated in, in many, many years that kind of have lived back in the, the cottage summer days. So you do see homes like that that are in desperate need of updating. But since they have that waterfront utility, like John was talking about, they still go for that one to two million price point. So you, nicely saying, you really shouldn't say this, but I can say this. You get a shack on the water for over a million dollars. In some instances, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love New England. <laughs> if you want Sandy Beach right now, we have two very nice upscale properties, one for 5.4 and one for 6.4. And those are, I think that's it in the inventory. Okay. They're both Tate and Foss listings, nice properties with Sandy Beach and nice oh, wow. views. But I mentioned them only to give you an idea of what those kinds of, if you want the beach, uh, you want to put your toes in the beach and have a nice property, that's what those two are retailing at. Will they sell it at those prices? We will see. To we be will determined, see. right? To be yeah. determined, yeah. Echoing on what I was just saying, a lot of those properties have changed in the last few years since the you know the, the COVID market has hit and a lot of folks have come to the seacoast and purchased property and a lot of updates have been done to a lot of those homes recently. I have a confession to make for all of my dear listeners and that is my favorite food are fried clams. I love fried okay. clams. And so mm. I'm living in the, the perfect place for that. And so I unscientifically asked our Tate and Foss colleagues to tell us, um, where they would find their fried clams. And before I tell you what they said, uh, let's take a road trip and look around. Okay. For those of us who are fried clam aficionados, start, you'd start on the north shore of Massachusetts. You'll come to the town of Essex, Mass., which is um, within an hour of Portsmouth. And that is a famous fried clam mecca. There are places there like J.T. Farnham's, Woodman's, and the Village Restaurant in Cape Ann. And they frequently pop up in as clam fan favorites. Actually, they're making my mouth water just mentioning them. <laughs> and <laughs> I've sampled their fare, and I totally get it. Although, coming from up here in New Hampshire, I think North Shore prices and crowds can be problematic, putting it nicely. Mm-hmm. So crossing into the Granite State, what could be more iconic than Brown's Lobster Pound in Seabrook? They've got some great lobsters, and they've also got great clams. And then as you're working your way north up Route 1, the next one that comes to my mind is Al's Seafood in Northampton on Lafayette Road. And I know that Sean is a big fan of Al's. Yes, love to go to Al's. (laughs) 
But their, their fried clams, I think, rank right up there with the very best wherever you go. But there's no view. That makes this strictly a stop for good food. In Rye, Rye is where the giants of clamdom seem to be in no special order. And they would be Rays and Peaties on Ocean Boulevard and the Ice House and Bee Gees Boathouse on Route 1A as you're going from Portsmouth to Newcastle, which still is Rye. Peaties and Bee Gees are also known for their generous, heavy pours. <laughs> and, uh, in other words, wonderful cocktails. So they tend to rank right up there. And then uh, a lot of people also know Newick's in Newington, which is a huge local favorite. And strangely, Portsmouth doesn't seem to make our fried clam list. Portsmouth doesn't. But there are some places where you can get fried clams in Portsmouth, and they're very good. But mm-hmm. they just don't seem to make the list of these heavy-duty places. Mm-hmm. However, I would be quick to add, Portsmouth restaurateurs, that we know that you have 35,000 restaurant seats in Portsmouth, and so there's lots of good selections to make there and lots of restaurants to go to. You could also have good fried clams, but mm-hmm. uh, they don't seem to make it to the big pantheon here. And moving on, we're going across the river now into uh, Maine and to Kittery, and we come to, uh, on Route 1, we come to Bob's Clam Hut on the left, and actually, if you're in crossing over on 1A and into Kittery, you also have Warren's Lobster House. Uh, and, and I definitely think uh, that those are really great fried clam places, as is the Weather Vane, which is right across the street from Bob's. But I consider Bob's and Warren's among the local rock stars of, of clamdom. Now for the poll results. For the poll results, how many people voted in on I this? I would say we had about 15 people that voted. Petey's in Rye seems to have run away with it. And Bob's Clam Hut comes in a second, a very close second. Wow. So okay. I'm wondering if the ultra-friendly bartenders at Petey's have something to do with that, that vote. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so uh, uh, Woodman's uh, in Massachusetts and Warren's also got votes. And of all places, the Beach Plum in Northampton earned some acknowledgement. Congratulations, everybody. There you are. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, being a traditionalist myself, I would say, uh, if you want my opinion, I would, I'd, Bob's would get my vote and Warren's would be a close second. Big family outings were, back in the day were usually at Warren's. And it's, it's, uh, it's hard to beat their salty local atmosphere. Plus, he was a client of mine, so uh, oh, nice. that helps. And uh, my grandmother used to frequently stop by Bob's to pick up a quart or two of clams. And she knew all the cool places to get fried clams. So anyway, uh, there you go. And we haven't even gotten to uh, who's got the best onion rings. but oh, uh, That's but a whole episode in itself. Oh, my gosh. Component. So, yes. Yeah, so uh, speaking of real estate, there are your fried clams. Well, yeah, that's a big part of your Seacoast lifestyle. Yes, it's definitely huge. definitely is. Definitely is. Yeah, I think, I think in the next episode, we have some interesting stuff teed up. First of all, we're going to hear from Sean Fellows. will tell us all about... The golf courses in the area. Sean, I'm used to be a golf pro. Yes, I was. So I'll give you a very condensed version of my thoughts on, uh, you know, some of the local golf courses here in the Seacoast. And uh, John will have to connect on some some wonderful golf course properties here in the Seacoast because there are quite a few that we could discuss. That's right. That's that's huge. It's it, the episode. So you want to live on a golf course? That right. could be the- <laughs> that. Could be that. that could be also, a good one. Also that also have, have water views. That is true. I was doing a fee CMA on a property on the golf course with water views. Um, so I can definitely talk about what that will set you back. 
Okay. So in the meantime, everybody have a wonderful fall. I love the autumn in that area. It's just beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure. Pleasure, Michelle. Thank you for all you do for our show. And Sean, thanks thanks again for your insight. No, thank you, John. Thanks for all the the useful information. And thank you, Michelle. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks for listening to Seacoast Real Talk with John Rice. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are published quarterly. For help with your podcast, find Modcast Productions on the web at modcastproductions.com.